welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. you today in the realm of faith. Uh, So if you've got that Bible, why don't you grab it? Why don't you jump ahead of me and get Hebrews 11 open? I want to try and hone in for a few moments, if we can, on a very specific and unique uh, element or aspect of our faith. As I already alluded to, if faith were easy, everybody would be doing it easy. (laughs) Put your hand up if you're mature enough to know that faith is not always straightforward. Keep your hand up if you know that you can have moments in your journey where you're praying and asking God for answers and there doesn't seem to be any answers coming. Faith can be challenging. Faith can be tricky. Trusting and believing in God can be a challenging proposition. It's not always a straightforward pathway and we need to make space and accommodation in our thinking for that reality. If we glance out at others around about us and assume for whatever reason that they are just nailing faith every day, We look at other people and we go, oh man, they've just got it together. They've got it sorted. I wish I had it sorted. I wish I had faith like Irene Mukwindidza. (laughs) Well, then you'd have to dance like her and worship like her. Don't always just assume that because someone else is praising that life is great. Come on, meditate that just for a brief moment. Don't assume that because a flow of worship is coming out of someone apparently easily, that that therefore means that the circumstances of their life are easy. I will emphatically say that the richest of worship that can be brought by any of us to God is worship in a prison house. It's easy to worship in a wide open field when the headwinds are low and the tailwinds are strong. And you're breezing along and things are working and things are going well. Yeah, it's easy to come to church and praise then. What's not so easy but is good for us, somebody say it's good for me, is to be able to take the opportunity, to lay hold of that opportunity that says, I am going to praise him today, I'm going to worship him today because of who he is and because he's worthy and not just whether or not my circumstances are in agreement with my preferred outcomes. You see, that is where our faith puts on its big boy pants and its big girl pants. And it's not to diminish or to denigrate those who are earlier on the faith journey or earlier on the curve of learning faith, not at all. But we should come to understand that faith is worked out in the middle of trial. Faith is worked out in the middle of tough times. Faith is worked out in the middle of challenge. But we need to also recognise and give space like our God gives space. Otherwise Hebrews 4, which is not where we're going, verse 14, wouldn't say that we have a high priest who understands our challenges as a human just like us. This is why the scripture encourages us to come to him because it says Jesus, our high priest, knows what we're dealing with. Ever had a conversation with someone that you know they don't know what you're going through? And they're trying to encourage you from their place of inexperience? It's well-intentioned, but it's not overly helpful because you can feel in your heart that the oil flowing in your direction is not that rich. (laughs) Who knows what I'm talking about? But when you hear from someone who you know has been through 
the mill a few times and they're still believing God. They're still using their faith. They're still bringing worship. That's the person you can sit back and listen to. Because you know they've been tested, they've been tried. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance, somebody say substance, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When you dare to hope, you are making yourself vulnerable to having hope deferred. (laughs) When you dare to hope in God, you are taking the risk that that hope could get disappointed or deferred, or delayed. But until we take that choice, until we embark on that road, our faith can't grow. I couldn't come up with one title for this message, so I came up with three. (laughs) Is that okay? So I'm going to give you all three, and what I'd like you to do as your little in-house homework is I want you to choose which title belongs to you by the end of the message. Is that all right? Here are the three titles. Dare to expect, choose to expect, try to expect. And I think it's actually going to work well for us this morning because those three key words can help give us a small insight into the fact that emotionally and psychologically, it's not always the same step up onto the ladder of faith. There are some people in the room who are in the dare to expect season of life which is they're hearing for the first time that God can provide, that God can heal, that God does miracles. And so they're energized and they're enthused. A lot of our youth members are in that season. And we shouldn't look down at them for that. We should get excited for them about that, that they're in the dare to expect mode. Dare to expect that God could talk to you. Dare to expect that God could answer your prayer. Dare to expect that God could do a miracle when you pray. And it's full of hope and it's full of enthusiasm and it's buoyant and it's a great place to be. Some people in the room are in choose to expect, which is you might one day revisit dare to expect, but presently you're in choose to expect, which means whatever is going on around your life, you are having to use the discipline of faith. How many of you know that discipline is part of faith as well? Self-discipline. Otherwise, why would the scripture say things like the psalmist quoting saying to himself, bless the Lord, O my soul, So those of you who think you're crazy because you talk to yourself, no, you're just human because you talk to yourself. And the psalmist is saying to us there that there are times in our life where the worship and the belief and the expectation doesn't flow so easy. But God knows that that's the case and he's not bothered by it. How many of you like me have prayed some prayers that you're not sure whether you got away with? (laughs) Who knows what I'm talking about? Who's, who's like me where you're wondering if when you get to heaven, God's going to go like this, go, oi, psst. <laughs> I think I might be in line for a few of those. But then I go back to scripture and I read some of the prayers that came out of the heart of David. And then I go, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I haven't winched. Well, okay, I have winched at that level a few times. But God is accommodating of our humanity. He is not accommodating of our sin. 
<gasps> that was amazing. That word got used in church, in the pulpit in 2023. But it come back again. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I love what our youth pastors are doing in our church because they're helping to raise our young people in an uncompromised faith. That just because the world has decided to compromise on everything and even sectors of the body of Christ apparently, that now that there are a list of reasonably okay sins, no, any one of them, wherever you may or may not rank them, one of the big ones, <laughs> one of the little ones, doesn't matter. The scripture is clear. One breach is a full breach. One breach qualifies you for the need of a saviour. This is why the law was given, the ancients wrote to us and said the law was provided to show to us that we didn't have the capacity to follow and adhere fully to the law. Therefore, the conclusion would end up being, I need a saviour to rescue me from my lostness. It's important that we talk to our children and our young people about the reality of sin. God is not accommodating of our sin ever but he is accommodating of the frailty of our humanity. What does that mean? You say, Andrew, how do I discern the difference? What I'm saying to you is, God gave you your emotions. They're not an accident. God gave you your imagination. God knew that you would be a psychological up and down being from time to time. It doesn't bother him or threaten him. In fact, it should incentivize all of us to lean even more heavily into his grace because he knows what we're going through. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I want you to turn to Romans 10, verse 17, which helps us to understand a little more about the working of faith. Romans 10, verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing. Say hearing. hearing. And hearing by the word of God. You can't get the full volume of truth that's contained in that scripture unless you repeat and meditate on it. Faith comes from hearing. In other words, something has to be proclaimed. But not just any old thing. Those of you who have known me for a while have done this, what I'm about to do with me before, but let's do it again for those who don't know me that well. When we use the word faith, we're not talking about good luck, mate. We're not saying all the best. We're not saying, hope it goes well for you. There's nothing wrong with saying those things. But when we say those things, we're not saying this thing. When we use the Bible word faith, we're talking about a currency that is originated in heaven by God that comes uniquely and fashioned to our situation. It is not the same as slapping your mate on the back saying, I hope everything's okay. It's good to be a good friend, but good luck, all the best, wish you well, even if Bernard Fanning keeps on singing that chorus around and around and around and around. Bernard just wants to wish you well. He just wants to wish you well. <laughs> He just wants to wish you well. We get it, Bernard. You want to wish us well. And we like... Some of you are going, how did we go from Romans to Bernard? I didn't... I didn't... People... If there were... People carried paper Bibles anymore. There'd be a lot of flicking right now. Where is the book of Bernard? I, I lost him somewhere. No, no, it's a song. I just want to wish you... That's great. And we love our friends who wish us well. But please don't let your mind get all crossed up thinking that a well-wishing statement is the same as hearing faith. They are very different. And you cannot apply 
some buoyancy that you got from a friend who encouraged you to a spiritual context and situation when actually the currency that needs to be traded in is the currency of faith. Faith, it comes. Verse 17, faith comes. It travels from somewhere to somewhere. It comes from another place to you if you've got the ears to hear it. You need your physical ears first because through that window is where it gets into your brain and can get processed. And if you live with it and sit with it and repeat it and meditate it, then it can make the holy migration from brain to spirit. (laughs) Do you want me to calm down? Is this too much? Faith comes by hearing and the hearing as if to infer that we are deaf until this moment. Faith comes by hearing and the hearing comes by the word of God. In other words, when the word is preached, when the word is announced, something can be opened up in the capacity of a human spirit to receive a thing that until the announcement of that word, deafness abides. (laughs) How many of you want your hearing healed? I do. All of you should be going Mexican wave double bangers up in the air right now. You go, oh, what are you talking about? Are you, are, you, are you trying to... See, this is the world we live in right now. Even some of you got half offended because you assumed that I said you're deaf and you're not good and I don't like your Instagram. <laughs> See how fast that slide was into a really dark place? Let me shape it up a different way. Even though I've been on this journey for a long time, I want all of the areas of my spiritual deafness healed badly because I'm certain that I've still got deaf spots and blind spots and places where God is trying to get through to me because I'm trying to get through my struggles and I'm trying to trudge through my mud and get through my quicksand and from time to time I'm just using Andrew's resources and on most days when I cross the white line and get on the field of play I am a tough so and so to deal with But those resources have limitations. I need the resources of God's word. I need him to heal my deafness. I need him to heal my blindness. I need to see what I can't see. I need to hear what I can't hear. Because unless I get that word from him, I don't know where the road is going next. Even the fact that I've read these verses here this morning, if you've got your hearing switched on, there is the possibility (laughs) that this currency can travel from heaven, from God, from the spirit of the living one into your spirit. Faith comes by hearing. I don't have a lot of notes, but I'm not very far into the very small amount of notes that I've got, so we need to move. Let's go back to Hebrews. Are you doing all right? Some of you are hearing me preach for the first time and thinking, geez, I'm glad I joined this church when Dan and Ali Warren took over because this, yell- <laughs> this guy yells a lot. Hebrews 13. Do you know what? It's not that I yell a lot. It's the fact that I can't suppress the reality that even when I hear the word of God coming from my own mouth, it still has the power to get me up into a new place. I will be honest with you guys at a level that I never... I was always honest with you when I was the pastor, but there... (laughs) I will bring a different brand of honesty to you when I preach these days. Why? Because it's not my responsibility anymore to protect you from the fact that I have struggles. Uh, 
Some of you go, what do you mean? There's a lot of things that I never told you about mine and Claire's and our family's life and our struggles because it's not the shepherd's job to put extra weight on the back of the sheep. I'm not your shepherd anymore, so get ready to be burdened and heavy laden. (laughs) If you knew some of the context of the circumstances that I'm living my life in right now, you wouldn't feel the most sorry for me out of the whole world, and nor should you. But you'd probably be surprised about the disproportionate nature of how much faith is coming out of me, because it's not coming from my resources. It's coming from heaven's resources, which are real and alive, and it's what we all need to carry us through our context. I'm half enjoying this. Don't tell Dan. Don't let him listen to the podcast. I think he got nervous this week because he texted me and his, his phrase was around the idea of, are you good to go for Sunday? I think what he was saying is, are you going to tap out last minute? Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a song that we're going to sing at the end of this preaching. It says these words, I'm calling on the God of Jacob whose love endures through generations. (laughs) If you're not there yet, can I lovingly urge you to get the portal of your spirit open, which happens by your choice of your will. If you're wondering how that process takes place, in your mind and in your self-talk, you say to yourself, I am open to receiving from God today and your spirit will comply with the choice of your will. Get the portal of your spirit open because I am certain there is a kicker of faith that's coming to all of us. Me, Me too, I need it. I need to hear this message just like you do. The words say it's, it's, it's us reverberating and resonating with God and back to God and between God and us, the truth of his word, as we announce, I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. Is Chrissy following me there on the screen? You're a good girl, Chrissy. She's not a girl, she's, well, she's a woman. They're very similar, for those of you who don't know. And I'm not getting into what is a woman. if you don't know, I can't help you. And if you make me give you an answer to that question, that's going to ruin the whole meeting. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me. Maybe some of us need to get some more muscle back in our faith. Maybe some of us need to remember or realize that God is not bothered, but rather is complimented by the usage of our faith. Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Maybe some, maybe some of us are spending too much time stressing our heads out about whether we're behaving well enough, and it's not wrong to try to behave well before the Lord, but maybe if you want to please him, it's time to go to the faith gym and go, I'm going to start quoting scripture. I'm going to start believing God. I'm going to start trying to believe God. I'm going to dare, I'm going to choose, I'm going to try. Chorus says, oh God, my God, I need you. You shouldn't sing this song nice. You can. It's better if you sing it with a fur ball in your throat. Oh God, oh God, I need you. What am I saying? I'm saying, sing these lyrics attached to the truth of your context. 
Don't come in here and perform like a seal. No one's throwing sardines for you if you come in here and go, oh God, oh God, I need you. God, oh God, I need you now. I don't know if you're doing that, but that's how it looks inside to me. Some of you are really disturbed about the swaying of my hips that was going on there. You will never be able to unsee that, I know. But I, sorry, not sorry. Okay, so we got to actually attach our context because if we surveyed the room, if we asked 100 people for their top eight answers and we said, who here does not have one struggle in their life? I doubt we would get one hand. And church should not be the place to pretend and perform. I mean, don't get me wrong. Please don't come in and tell every single person you bump into all your dirty washing. Ken, can I talk to you for an hour? Just sit, don't you talk, just listen and then vomit on people. But what I am saying is when you come before the Lord, practice being real with him. He knew Adam had no clothes anyway. He knows that our clothes are frail. I don't know about you, but I've never been one that's been in favour of pretending with my faith. If I need God, and I do, I'm going to sing like I need him. If you're bothered by my volume, sit on the other side of the room. (laughs) When I pray, I'm going to pray. I'm going to connect my context. I don't want to go through a religious routine and miss the real opportunity that's in this. How I need you now. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. There's a lot of words in this song. Bear with me. I'm calling on the God of Mary whose favour rests upon the lowly. I know with you all things are possible. I'm calling on the God of David who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. And I love this bridge and we're going to sing it in a few minutes. You heard your children then, you hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then and you will answer now. You're the same God. You were providing then, you're providing now. You're the same God, etc., etc. We're going to sing it. And whatever our situation is, we're going to have a go for those who are willing. Somebody say, have a go. Dare to expect. Choose to expect. Try to expect. If you're writing notes, I want you to write these three passages down. I'm not going to read the whole story because I don't have time and I'd rather spend time on us praying together. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 31. Matthew chapter 14, 22 to 31. We find the story of Peter being called by Jesus to walk on the water. Most of you know the story. They've been in a constant parade of miracles hanging out with Jesus. Their minds are blown daily and hourly, the things he's doing. Put your hand up uh, if you were here in this church during what we called renewal. (laughs) Some of you will remember the expectation we used to come to services with. You remember it? Where we would come to services and God was doing so many miraculous, amazing things. Literally, the room would be fizzing with expectation. Nobody knew the run sheet. Can I be a little bit cheeky, a little bit naughty? These days, we've got our... This is not, I'm not looking at Ali. I'm just having the joke with Ali. 
These days we got our run sheets so polished. The run sheet said today I had 38 minutes. I've probably used 37 of them already, and I won't be offensive with time, but I, I wonder if we are so over, I wonder if we are so overproduced that we actually don't know what to do or wouldn't know what to do if God decided to invade our service and turn up. And some of you are like, well, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? I hope you get the chance to experience it. But God moves in our hearts in such a way that we turn up on a Sunday morning and we are fizzing with expectation. What will God do in the service today? This is where the brothers and the sisters were living when Jesus was on earth. Anything was possible. Nobody was living in doubt. They were in dare to expect mode. Miracles are happening and Jesus says to the guys, he says, get in the boat, head over the other side of the lake, I'll catch up with you after, we'll talk there. Jesus is setting them up for a miracle. A huge storm comes up and they get into this whole faith-challenging situation and then Jesus, Son of God, comes walking on the water and they are freaking out as you would. And you know how the story goes. Jesus calls to Peter as Peter calls to him. He says, Lord, is that you? and, And how crazy was the atmosphere of expectation that Peter actually says, Lord, if that's you out there, Call me to come out there with you too. And all the brothers are like, oh, he's at it again. He's a weirdo. He just can't shut his mouth. He's got to say dumb stuff all the time. Jesus says, Peter, come on. (laughs) He gets out of the boat and for a short while, we don't know if it's two steps. We don't know if it's three steps. We don't know if he walked like this and thought he was really great. We don't know what he was doing, but for a while he walked on the water to Jesus and he began to sink. He began to sink. That sounded like different part of the world. He began to sink and Jesus caught him, picked him up. But there was an atmosphere of daring to expect. In another passage in 2 Kings chapter 4, we see the story of the widow's son. There is a woman who has been through all kinds of trauma and trial. And we don't have time to read about all of it, but she has been through the worst of the worst in the family business. In her personal life, she has experienced loss and trauma at the highest of levels. But she's a woman who understands it's important to make room for faith and the move of God. And in their home as a family, they decide that they will build an extension on top of the house. They decide to renovate and build a little small granny flat, a little studio loft on their house. Why? Because she has heard, she's caught wind of the fact that there is a known prophet who travels past her house on his itinerary on a regular basis. And so she uses her own faith to invent a possibility and finds a way to communicate with the man and says, listen, if you would like to, on these long travels that you do between these towns, when you pass by our house, you can stay with us if you want. Why is she doing it? She's understanding that if she brings the presence of God near her family, something miraculous could happen. The pastor didn't tell her to do it. Her Sunday school training didn't tell her to do it. Her initiative told her to do it, to make space for something miraculous. Well, sure enough, the day came where she needed a miracle because her son dropped dead, possibly a brain hemorrhage. We don't know exactly. She sends a messenger to go find the prophet. She knew that he was due to come past the house roughly at this time of year. The messenger goes and finds the prophet cut the shore, he thought the prophet comes to the house with a message back and he basically goes up into that same room because the dead, the boy who is now dead is laying in the bed that the prophet has slept in. 
And you shouldn't get lost in the allegory of what's going on. Understand the spiritual principles that are going on. The lady knew if I don't put this kid in a space where the presence of God dwells, I've got no hope at all. Now, when you're grieving loss, it's very hard to get up and do anything. This woman decided to use the discipline of faith and say, it's time for me to choose to expect that God can do something. She took the boy and laid him in the bed and called for the prophet and said, I don't know what you can do, but let's try something. How miraculous, how amazing, how powerful is this woman that she actually had enough of whatever it was on the inside to say to her friends and family, do not go and buy a coffin yet. I'm staggered. I'm staggered by the faith of this woman who said, just wait a little longer, we're going to use our faith. And the story goes that the prophet turns up at the house and he goes up into the room and he lays hands on the boy and he prays for him. And the Bible says he sneezes and coughs and comes back to life. She had to choose to expect. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is doing his thing, going from town to town, preaching, praying, healing people. And he gets interrupted by a ruler of the synagogue. The man's name is Jairus. And he comes to get Jesus' attention. And he says, Jesus, I know you don't owe me anything, but if you can possibly help, my daughter is dying. He stops Jesus. He's consulted doctors. He's done all the right medical things. He's tried everything he knows to try. And he thinks, I've got nothing left to try. Is there anything more painful and heavy than watching a parent bury their child? Not that I've seen in life. That's where this man is. He's not in the daring zone. (laughs) He's not in the life is awesome. I'm going to be a history maker zone. He's in the zone where all of the, you know what, the kakapupu has hit the fan and every other ceiling appliance. His daughter is about to die. He's not even there. Think about that for a moment. Not only is he trying to use his faith, he's got the choice of my daughter is obviously on her last few hours and about to die. I could stay here and spend these last precious moments or I can go searching for a miracle. He is risking the fact that she will die in his absence and he's got to live with that regret for the rest of his life. He gets Jesus' attention and says, you owe me nothing, Rabbi, but if you could do something, my daughter's dying. Jesus says, I'll come. (laughs) As they're on their way, messengers come, really kind-hearted, great friends to have, who come rushing back and say, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter's dead. How many of you know those people need a slap in the head, not a lesson on how to convey a message, just a repeated slap in the head, say, you are retrenched, please go away forever. But Jesus, in the end of this passage, did I give you the reference? Mark chapter 5, did you write it down? Jesus looks into the man's eyes. Remember what I told you about real faith. It's a heavenly currency that can do something in you that well-wishing doesn't have the power to do. Because what you and I would have done is we would have hugged the man, we would have comforted the man, and that's not wrong. But we would have gone immediately to our human resources. 
We would have straight away said, where's the rest of your family? Do you need some meals cooked? And all those things are appropriate. Jesus doesn't go to any earthly resources. He goes straight to his heavenly resources. He looks the man in the eye and with the kind of faith that is otherworldly, he looks at him, he says, Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe me. And somehow... This synagogue ruler latches that word with only what heaven can provide. And in the middle of the deepest of his grief, he looks at Jesus, he says, I do believe you. Jesus sends a word to his house, doesn't even get there physically. And the girl is healed before they get back. Think of the strength and the majesty of our Saviour as the worship team come to get ready to lead us, that He is watching every one of us and He is looking for the opportunity in our context, in our circumstances, caring for us, believing for us. The Bible says that Jesus is interceding for us. What does that mean? Your Saviour who already died on the cross for you is having a prayer meeting for you before the Father. I am amazed by that. That He is looking for an opportunity to get you one-on-one and look deep into your eyes, so far into you that He looks into your spirit to give you one faith word and say, Noah, just believe me. And somehow we are hardwired by heaven's creation to be able to receive that word. That everything in our psychology that tells us this is the wrong word at the wrong time. This is lacking in compassion. This is not what I need to hear. Somehow our spirit speaks up and takes leadership and says, no, 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 brain, you be quiet. No, 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 body, you be quiet. This is the word I came to hear. The word of my Saviour saying, don't be afraid, just believe. So whether you are in dare to believe (laughs) whether you are in choose to believe whether you feel exhausted and spent and like you don't even have the stomach for one more prayer and the last thing on your list is just try it doesn't matter to God because he's not looking for perfect cloned foot soldiers to all be the same he knows where you are he knows what you're facing And he craves the opportunity to get a deposit, an impartation of faith into your spirit to say, dare, choose, try to believe me and watch me prove myself to you. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Thank you.